Free Trail fam, bonjour from Chamonix, France. Of course, I am your loving host, Dylan Bowman, here to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. It is officially UTMB week, and we are here to enjoy the spectacle and share our love for this amazing sport and this amazing event with you, the global trail running community, trail fans worldwide. This is a special time of year, and we are so happy to be here to enjoy it in person. We're going to be doing a daily show each morning recording in the heart of Chamonix covering all the major stories of this year's race. It is a special week-long series we're calling Good Morning Mont Blanc, which you're listening to now. Each day we'll have a star-studded group of rotating co-hosts to share their expert perspectives about the fields, the conditions, the races, and the results as they happen throughout the week. We're also going to be doing a ton of pre- and post-race interviews with some of the main contenders and the top performers. So make sure you're subscribed here or to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single second of our coverage. We are grateful for your support. We really hope you'll follow along and share it with your friends. Finally, thank you to Hoka and Camelback for making the shows possible this week. Make sure you play fantasy, fantasy fantasy.freetrail.com for a chance to win prize packages from these awesome brands. Thank you all so much for listening. Have an amazing UTMB week. Sage, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm a bit <laughs> sore. My, you know, my ankles are sore the most because I think getting the stability in the, the slushy snow and mud was, was a huge challenge. Yeah. All right. So good morning, Mont Blanc, everybody. It is now Wednesday, August 30th. We are now making progress into race week. We are joined by three great trail runners and content creators. This is going to be a long one, I think, between the, <laughs> the four of us. I think so. <laughs> but how fun is this? It's a it's sort of overcast morning, but the weather is finally breaking. Bad timing for Sage. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> TDS was <laughs> rough weather, and we're joined by a heroic finisher, Sage Canada, who's already been out for a shakeout run today. Introducing our esteemed guests here, of course, Billy Yang on the end. What up? Sage Canada on the couch. Thanks for having me on. And of course, Sally McRae. Good morning. Thanks for being here, everybody. Oh my gosh, this is going to be a great episode. We have so much to talk about. (laughs) Before we get to it, of course, big thank you to our sponsors, Hoka and Camelback. Hoka, of course, born here in France and one of the major sponsors of the UTMB World Series. We've got some speed goats and stints and sevens hanging out behind Sage. Sage, what shoes did you wear? Instagram. I wore the speed goat. Speed it's a good, goat. good choice. It didn't fall. So, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll take it. That's probably going to be the number one used shoe throughout race week. So a big thank you to Hoka for their support. Also Camelback, check out our sick water bottles here. Free trail. I already put my trail running. We'll save the world sticker on it here. Sally's got some super high tech beverage containers. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit later, but of course, Camelback really invented the whole hydration pack category. What did you use yesterday? Uh, I used the Zephyr Pro, Zephyr uh, Pro yesterday. So it's got the great thing is it's you could fit all the gear, you know, yep. um, and you have to carry a lot of gear. It's like the UTMB list, um, you know, base layer jacket, which you need. Um, but then the trekking pole quiver is real key because almost yep. everyone's using poles out here. So being able to transition to the poles and the Camelback Zephyr Pro is great. Yeah, awesome. And we're going to be giving away some of the Zephyr Pros for the best fantasy predictors throughout the race week. So make sure you're playing fantasy, fantasy.freetrail.com. We've also got Tim Perry in the building here. He's going to jump on at the very end of our show from Camelback to talk a little bit about the brand, the product, the UTMB partnership, 
the heroic athletes on the team, et cetera, et cetera. Launching into it, team, we got to start with a race report. Sage Canada. TDS is basically a hundred mile race now. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a little, little longer than when you did it, but, uh, yeah. still challenging with a lot of vertical. You're basically doing 30,000 feet of vertical and yeah, 98.7 miles is what I got on the Strava. <laughs> so I'm going to share my screen here for those who end up watching this on YouTube and I'll turn the computer around so that we can all take a look at you still have it labeled night trail run, by yeah, the way. You it's know, the ultimate flex. Yeah. Well, no, I, I didn't, I just uploaded it this morning. So I didn't have time to change the title yet. I, my phone was dead last night and I, I was like, oh, I You're should sink it. Yeah. You're yeah. <laughs> so Sage, according to your, uh, Strava here, your Koros, 97.83 miles. So basically a hundred, they should have just given you guys the extra 2.2 miles to round it out. <laughs> It is close enough. I think it's close enough. <laughs> 28,000 feet of climbing. So maybe to start, just talk about the, the course reroute, how the communication evolved from UTMB organization and how you were feeling going into the race on Monday night. Yeah, TDS, uh, as you know, is a crazy race, totally different trails than uh, UTMB or CCC or OCC. And uh, you start in Cormier around midnight. We actually were delayed at the start because... There's a little bit of a traffic jam in the in the Mount Blanc tunnel going over to Italy. So I want to make sure everyone was there. Started around like 12.40 a.m. So it's already kind of cold, but uh, we knew with the weather forecast, it was going to probably snow, uh, especially as you go up into the mountains. So, um, you know, it's a festive atmosphere in, in Cormier, a lot different from Chamonix, but still very festive. And uh, yeah, pretty, pretty big race, over 1,500 runners. So, yeah. um, but they, because of the weather, because of the snow forecast, the precipitation, uh, near freezing temperatures, they took out one of the climbs in the middle. You actually know the course yeah. probably better than I do, having having they, done the they've race. They've done that multiple times in the last five years. That's basically the weather alternative. So the year that I ran TDS in 2018, they also did the same course alteration. But that climb, when it's in the course, is 6,000 feet. And then off the backside of that climb is that hyper-treacherous uh, stretch of trail where, unfortunately, a runner perished last year. And so they no longer take any risks with that section when there's precipitation and bad weather forecast, they change the course. Oh yeah, that makes sense. But you know, still on two or three of the mountain passes we had, I counted about three inches, two to three inches of snow, like slushy snow on the ground. And you're already slipping on the rocks cause it's, it's quite technical, but then with the snow and ice on the rock and the, and then the mud in between, it, it was quite slippery out there. Um, and then you're just dealing with running all night. Most people running two nights, uh, with the fog and the wind, I had to like put on all my layers, my wind, I was taking out the windproof pants. Really? Yeah, that's when you know you're doing business is when you take out the w waterproof pants. Yeah. Uh, but just to keep my legs warm and a lot, a lot of guys, every, a lot of people started in, in long pants, yeah. uh, which I very rarely do even in Colorado. Yeah. So backing up a step you know, those who follow you closely, which I'm sure is most people who will listen to this know that, you know, things have been up and down for you recently. You, you had some uh, really serious health scare with pulmonary embolism, wasn't it? And you've sort of been battling back to health. And I think you're going to be releasing a film sort of about that journey and collaboration with Camelback at some point this week, maybe, is it out already? Uh, I think it's, it'll be later, later on, later uh, on. maybe in the spring so, or later in the year, but yeah, we've done some media stuff, uh, kind of telling the story about the pulmonary embolism and uh, the apartment fire too in Boulder was part right. of it too. 
So I guess generally, how, how are you feeling physically and how are you feeling after putting together a 98 mile race last night? <laughs> oh, um, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty relieved and happy that I was able to finish a hundred miler, not totally <laughs> blowing up basically. Uh, yeah. I've had a long history of not doing well at these hundred mile races. So even before I got sick, even before I got the pulmonary embolism, I wasn't really finishing these things strong. And so yesterday was actually a more consistent performance for me. I definitely still have some scar tissue in my lungs and, and some breathing issues. And I was definitely had a lot of chest pain for probably the last 15 hours of the race. But, Is that uh, improving? Like, do, uh, do you not, notice? Not really. Hmm. No, it's kind of, a lot of it's kind of permanent damage, I think. So, you know, there's some breathing exercises I could do and maybe some things I could optimize, but uh, no, it's been kind of an ongoing struggle. So I don't know how much I could actually get back. Well, 12th place yesterday was really great result, especially in tough condition conditions. And I noticed, especially I wanted you to comment on that section between Beaufort and Lake Contamine, which is a critical big climb and descent late in the race between like hundred and 120 K ish. You moved up nine places from, I think it was 21st to 12th. Yeah, no, that was, that was a key point in the race. And I knew it would be, I feel like that was like a 5,000 foot climb, yeah. uh, as you know, and I think I, I got lucky. I think, you know, it's a race of attrition, like a lot of these races. And there were probably some guys that just dropped out in front of me in the aid stations, but I did move up and pass some people. And, you know, it's, it's, yeah, that's a really tough point in the race, but I was happy I, I stayed upright. Awesome, man. Well, congratulations on the great finish. And maybe tell us quickly about the, the shakeout run you did this morning. Oh, I, you know, that was for another sponsor. We had yeah. a fun little a group run with Compressed Sport. Yeah. Um, so I, I just hobbled around like a mile, but I was actually surprised once you loosen up, you, you actually could, could run. I could see why some people do run streaks now. It's, it's not like out of the question, but it's, I don't think I'll be running anymore for the rest of the week, really. <laughs> That's more it. impressive than anything else. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I, I thought you were joking and calling his race the shakeout run. You actually yeah. did a shakeout run. Honestly, what was harder was getting up in the morning this early. <laughs> Let's see. Is it on Strava yet? Maybe I can share my screen. We can oh, show the people your, probably upload it. your sick pants. Yeah. All right, we'll upload it now. It was like a half mile. Yeah. Um, well, Sage, thanks so much for coming in and making the effort early after uh, a hundred mile race effort. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll s spend a little bit more time on the race. I'd love to actually maybe go through some of the results with the whole panel here and get some comments. Sally, you were sort of planning to be on the start line at TDS. <laughs> I was, I yeah. was very ambitious about the, uh, the race calendar this year. I, you know, I, I, I can't remember if I had committed to it before I knew that Tahoe 200 and Bigfoot were going to be 17 days apart. Um, yeah, I can't remember if it was that before or after. I thought, oh, I mean, it's it's only 98 miles <laughs> doing these 200s. But no, I, I think doing back-to-back -back 200s, um, you know, want to wanna be wise and take care of the body. So I, I realized very quickly after Bigfoot that TDS would not be a good idea. I could probably have gone and, like, suffered through the mountain, but I was like, oh, I'm done doing that for a few weeks because... <laughs> Yeah, I'd like I, to do well. I'd like to run well. And uh, I just, you got to respect this mountain. Yeah. So you got to know when to say when Yeah, it's probably for the best, especially given you still have another 240 mile race coming yeah. up in six weeks, six weeks or so. <laughs> You've been here many times though. And yeah. the three of us, of us, yeah, all of us have. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? How many years has it been for you? 
Yeah. Oh, been coming here most of the years in the last decade. Yeah. 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 So all of us collectively, I mean, we, we all have so many great memories yeah. here. I mean, not just race. I think that this is definitely the event that you don't want to miss because you're like, all oh, my friends are gathering in the valley in like one of the most beautiful places to run like yeah. in our sport. And um, yeah, some of my- It always I starts with the Gaylord meetup. That's yeah. the that's the <laughs> point where I'm like, okay, the FOMO's building. Yeah. The FOMO's real. <laughs> so true. It keeps, it keeps metastasizing the whole Gaylord meetup. Yeah. It's like- uh, we've been part of that for, I don't know, almost a decade now yeah. too. And it's become like our family tradition. And now with our baby, it's, you know, expanding to the, the next generation too. But we were just talking about it. It's nine day different from 2014, your first time, 2015, our first time. Yeah. Like this place is absolutely insane now. Yeah. I want to yeah. talk about that 2015. Well, I blame year. Billy's film. I always say <laughs> this place has blown up because of your film. You've caused it, it's honestly true. Out, all over the world. I, it's like every other person I meet, they're like, oh yeah, well, once I saw Billy's film, I'm like, I know. Right. Billy needs to stop making inspiring, beautiful films. Come on, Billy. That was such an epic like, I blame though. that oh for Western God. States, yeah. all your Western States Do you States remember films? the naivete of the Nike trail team at the time? <laughs> yes. Oh, we made so team. many, so we were staying at the, the chalet. Yeah, the film actually evolved. It was about, to, uh, it was the original genesis of the film concept was about the team camaraderie because yeah. that team was, we had the Vargos, mm -hmm. we had Sally, we had Varner, we had Zach, Zach Miller, Zach Miller Laney, Tolson. Such a great team. It was yeah. an amazing team. So we're going to do, uh, do it about that. It evolved into something else. But man, just trying to set up the guys for, and, and Sally for the European style of racing, the equipment needed, the cell phone date. That it was just, it was that comical. Year, so many trips comical. back and forth to the chalet. <laughs> oh, you need this much uh, the band yeah. aid. We had to go back into town and get yeah. that. And it was just, it was hilarious in hindsight. Like it, this was completely brand new to all of us. And yeah. that year, Zach Miller won CCC. Yeah. Tim yeah. Tollison was second. Second, yeah. And Dave Laney finished third at UTMB. Yeah. UTMB. Yeah. So yeah, it was like these, too. Yeah, these yeah. these three like sort of young up and coming Americans yeah. performing hugely Completely on green. the world's biggest yeah. stage. And, it was awesome. Yeah, well documented. Um, Billy, tell us about uh, pacing Sally and crewing for Sally at. Tahoe 200 because she was on my podcast a couple weeks ago <laughs> and we talked about this. I eventually want to talk about your perspective of her officiating your wedding yeah. too, but let's start with the uh, the 200. <laughs> well, people uh, need to know first and foremost, Billy and I have known each other for a very long time. So we have a sibling. Yeah, but it's been a while since we've <laughs> really shared good. miles, you know, yeah, like Sally and I, the pacing. yeah, Sally and I met initially <laughs> at a 50 mile race and then, then here's this cheerful voice behind me. <laughs> And I'm having a miserable first of what was it, like 10 miles. I'm like, like, Jesus Christ, like, get this girl off my back. <laughs> and eventually I stepped aside and let her pass. But it, Sally's whole mentality at the time was, I thought I had to talk to people mm -hmm. instead of just blowing by them because yeah, that's I, just I her mindset. about the sport. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, she, she always had that cheerful mindset, even in pretty bleak times at Tahoe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll just say this uh, in all sincerity, Sally is between the years, probably one of the toughest people I know. Uh, there was so many things that just was not sticking, you know, her feet, she started having issues there. I mean, mainly it was, I think you were behind the eight ball just going into it because you were sick 
couple of days before. I was denying that I was sick though. And couldn't get in calories. And so I was just like, Sally, how are you continuing? There were times when she was on her hands and knees coughing and puking on the side of a trail. It's like, this is going to be fun. And Billy's patting my back. So this, this, is, this, is, this is how close we are. He's patting my back. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Like so many times. I'm like, I can't believe you're looking at yeah. this. It's disgusting. No, but she, there was never any single point when she talked about, I don't know if I can finish this. Mm. It was, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to problem solve? How are we going to dig ourselves out of this? And dig she did. And so it was, I, I got the honor of getting front row seats for nearly 60 miles of pacing. 60 miles? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. 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 Going to get a few more. Hey, are probably you getting ready Milan. for Wasatch right now? Or Oh man, that's a sensitive topic. We've had long discussions about it. I was going to say 60 no. miles is a good, a good long <laughs> yeah. training day for a hundred. Yeah. So yeah. was the TDS this past week, but um, <laughs> yeah, just absolutely unquestionably one of the toughest human beings I know. Hell yeah. yeah. It was, it was Bill, a pleasure. Billy was, I mean, and always has brought me out of a really like dark. Yeah. We're not going to do the shit at Moab though. Like at Moab, <laughs> I want you to have a completely different experience because I'm not trudging through the wilderness with you, patting yourself, you know, patting you on the back because you're something's going on or fixing your, fixing your feet. Yeah, he was, he like took my shoes off and was wiping them down with wipes. I'm like, okay, you're between me puking at your feet and you cleaning my feet off. <laughs> no, Billy's a great pacer and great friend. And we had, yeah, made some more good memories. So let's talk about Bigfoot in a second. But Billy, I also want you to comment on Sally officiating your wedding. <laughs> Because we talked about this on my podcast too. And yeah. I, I think, you know, it's in honor when you and Hillary approach Sally to ask if she would be willing to help you guys celebrate this union yeah. and you identify a special person to do that, right? Topher Gaylord actually officiated Harmony and I's Oh, wedding, Topher it yeah. was on the short yeah, list yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So uh, talk about that. Yeah. Well, so I know Sally is not officially ordained. So we, um, a little backstory is that Hillary and I, uh, officially tied the knot on February 1st, mm-hmm. not May 20th when we had the ceremony. And uh, that was only because Hillary's Canadian and we wanted to get the paperwork going and do it the right way. And so we just wanted our actual wedding day to be a celebration of not only our love, but just the love in the community. And, you know, we really, really wanted to open it up to as many people as possible, but the venue kind of limited us to a smaller, more intimate wedding. But anyway, yeah. So we just wanted somebody to help express that love. And between Hillary and I, it was, it probably consisted of what, like 80% trail runners there. And yeah, Um, (laughs) my best man wasn't. And he was just in awe of all these people with like single digit body fat and, you know, (laughs) like still plowing down food. It was, it was just an amazing day of celebration, but we wanted somebody of Sally's, I guess, uh, I don't know, just your sincerity, your way with words, your way of, um, just capturing the moment and, and expressing everything about what we wanted to express about that day. And it, it was just it was such a special day, man. Awesome. As you know, I mean, just, yeah, yeah. it's the best day in the world, without, unquestionably, especially when you have a bunch of people there and the Topher Gaylords of the yeah. world to help facilitate that. And so Sally made a comment about how her feet were still pretty messed up from... <laughs> Things <laughs> are so bad. It was a Coca... Yeah, it was Coca Donut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. 
So Sally, tell us a little bit about Bigfoot, the uh, second hundred miler that you did in a two and a half week span. This was just after we had recorded our yeah. podcast. So this will bring things full circle. It was. I yeah. mean, I, I think you and I chatted. Um, you were leaving like the next day. Lift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was two days before I left. Yeah. And I was up till like 2 a.m. I was yeah. like, you know. How was the show, by the way? Amazing. She She's actually the endurance queen. To get on stage every single night and do what she does. For like three hours, isn't it? I have so much respect for her. She's she's an incredible entertainer, but it's but so talented too, you know? It was a great show. Did you bring earplugs? Earplugs? Yeah. No. I mean, a bunch of screaming Oh my gosh, teenagers. so good. <laughs> yeah, there was at one point where she just stood on stage and for 10 minutes people cheered. Yeah. There was no, nothing. She just stood there. <laughs> Yeah, that's LA. <laughs> the LA crowd was so stoked. far. Yeah. Um, yeah, we I, I flew out to Bigfoot two two days later. I think I had shared with you because I I was I got really sick at yeah. Tahoe, um, progressively sick. I was put on meds, and then the um, the night before Bigfoot was my last dose of those meds. Yeah. So I relapsed pretty bad, yeah. obviously. Well, when we talked, you were like, yeah, I, I'm going to go. I set this goal. I'm not really sure how it's going to play out, but like, yeah. I want to just give it a try. And if I need to pull out, I'll pull yeah. out. You didn't freaking pull out. No. You pushed through another 200. I did. I, I think too, that there, there is two parts of it. I, and I had told Eddie before I left, I was like, listen, I will, I, I'm going to sleep. And I did. Mm -hmm. I slept for like four hours in that race, which in my opinion is long. Um, in a three day stretch, that's not yeah. quite a lot of yeah, sleep. That but. Was, uh, <laughs> and then on, on top of that, um, I remember at Tahoe at one point being around a couple guys that were also doing the triple crown and they're like, well, I guess we're hiking Bigfoot. I was like, oh yeah, you guys are hiking it. And so am I. Like, it was like, kind of like, <laughs> well, you strong. guys are, Choose yeah, strong. you guys are, I can Suckers. too. Yeah. Um, but you know, I had, I had a few things that I, I knew would, would probably be, um, getting progressively worse in the race. And, um, yeah, I started to deal with some pretty gnarly nerve, uh, pain in my feet. It just kind of, I think around a mile, hundred, 120 um, you know, I have feet that haven't had enough time to heal since Cocodona. And so, um, you know, there is more blisters on top of that precious ripped up baby skin, but then, um, it just felt like every step someone was stabbing me through my toes and they yeah. were on fire. So how did these, a lot of, a lot of pain <laughs> through that. How did these 200s compare to like just a, a, just a single hundred? Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to like wrap my head around like doing like double. Like it sounds like you're curious. He's going to uh, join no, the dark No, stage. not per <laughs> personally. Yeah. I just, it seems like there's so much more time for things to go yeah. exponentially wrong. Right. Or you're talking I, about the nerve pain at hundred mile, 120 and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I felt like, I, I mean, years back, I was like, I'll never do these things. They sound weird. And how long, how much can you actually run? Uh, They're not like hundreds. Yeah. You can't, you can't approach it that way. That's for sure. It's like 50 is not like a hundred either. Yeah. Right. You just yeah. double the distance. It's a different yeah. adventure. Totally. Yeah. That's a really good point. It's, it's, it's definitely more mental and being able to work through every situation. You know, I don't want to necessarily call them problems, but it's like you're, you're constantly encountering situations that are uncomfortable and then you're pushing through 
sleep deprivation, which I feel like sleep deprivation is just a whole other category that needs that needs its own attention. Yeah. Because oh, some sense, people yeah. go in that are like that do great every day of their life on four or five hours of sleep. So you actually have a really great advantage. That's probably one of those things like heat acclimatization and heat management yes. that over time is going to become like optimized scientifically. Yes. Right? If you watch like the Tour de France now, they're wearing these ice vests to cool down yep. while they're warming up. Mm-hmm. They'll stuff like ice or cooling elements into their jerseys and they're riding so fast in the middle of the day through the mm-hmm. middle of July when it's 30 degrees Celsius. Yeah. And now like Western States too, like heat management has become so optimized. People are having less and less of an issue with it. It feels like times are getting faster and faster. I kind of feel like as 200s become more and more popular, (laughs) the same process is going to evolve with sleep management. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, Cause the three girls up front, as far as I know, Eliza was second. Yep. Eliza LaPierre. Yeah, yep. Eliza's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she is. She came back. I mean, she finished like 20 hours ahead of me. That's how slow I was going. Yeah. But she came back as I was as I was finishing to to cheer me on. I'm just such a awesome. incredible woman. But like she didn't sleep at all. Um and I don't, I don't think, I think Nika was the first girl. I don't think she slept. I don't think that. So no hours. sleep for how many no hours? Sleep. So there, uh, there's been talk. I've, I've heard this through the 200 mile pipeline. If you can race under 70 hours, you don't need to sleep. Once you hit the 70 hour mark, like that's when you start to all, everything starts to diminish yeah. and you start hallucinating so and you're disillusioned. Three nights. And yeah. yeah. But if you can get in under 70 hours, then there's. This I don't know craziness. where that came from, but, yeah. but none I'll of them. get seven hours per all, night. Yeah. I turn into an ordinary asshole. Yeah. So, yeah. so all three of them were Jeez. under 70 hours. Yeah. Imagine and being at a 200. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh. Okay, wrap your mind around that. Okay. As long as yeah. we do, as long as we're going under 70 hours, guys, we're good. Like we can keep moving. Before we, uh, yeah. we move off this topic, I'd love to get back to, you know, the UTMB stuff and your guys' mm-hmm. experience here, but I just wanted to mention too, having spent a few days over in Cormier, the Tour de Jeans is like, Oh my gosh. I mean, that's the one 200 miler that really makes me curious. Yeah. And it's so funny because Cormier is the start line of CCC. It's the start line of TDS. It's a major aid station at UTMB. But when you walk around town, you only see Tour de Jeans promotions. Yes. Like yep. it feels like so they're, true. they're super proud of that race that starts and finishes there. And it goes, throughout the entire Aosta Valley. So it's, I just think, a, an I interesting. I love that side yeah. of the mountain yeah. too, by the way. I, Beautiful. Could, I could live. Yeah. I, I usually, the past few years that I've raced UTMB, um, I always stay in the, like on the side of the mountain in one of the little ski towns. Yeah. It's so crazy yeah. down here in the city. In, Especially when you're Sally McRae. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I hide out. I hide, I hide out and it's so peaceful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And, but you're right. I noticed that too, that there's just the Tour de Jeans everywhere. Those posters are everywhere. Um, I've always been fascinated with that race. I actually was talking to Jason Coop about it when I was at Leadville. Yeah. I was like, tell me about this race. And it just sounds Big. so intense. Look at Billy laughing over here. Yeah. Because he wants to do it Back to this first. video when Coop is completely <laughs> melting down in the final miles of Tour de Jeans. And he's, I think he took a selfie video of himself, right. like just breaking down emotionally. Aww. Yeah. That's a huge accomplishment. To yeah, big, that. I big, hope big, that you big. Do it one day, 
Maybe. Ailsa Valley, the Maybe. mountains are absolutely stunning. It's yeah. stunning. Yeah. How much climbing does that one have? Uh, some it's ridiculous like, amount. It's like oh, whatever, 100,000 feet. 100,000? Yeah, I don't know. It's like, like whatever, whatever that is, 30,000 like meters doing. or something. <laughs> it's yeah. like just climb straight up to the I sky. I can look it up here in a sec. <laughs> Billy, tell us about the lap around the mountain you did. Was it with Run the Alps? No, it wasn't Run the Alps. It was Vagabond Trails. Cool. And we organized this last year uh, just purely because a uh, they were they were very open to a partnership but b this as somebody who's been here uh, now going on 7 years still only seen really the last 50k or so um, through OCC so this has been like hugely if not 1A, 1B on my bucket list, adventure list, things to do. And um, yeah, we did it over the course of six days. The It's funny, you guys were talking about the Italy side and I was just talking, I was just talking to my friends who ran it with me and just thinking about how I, we were kind of shortchanged on the Italy side. I could have done that section a lot longer if they extended it to the Ailsa Valley because I just love the culture there. I love the food. Mm. Um, just saying, ciao, buongiorno, and you know, just <laughs> the, the whole the whole culture there is amazing. But um, yeah, covered it over six days. We stayed from you know from hotels to refugios, refugios, um, through like primitive, pretty primitive sleeping arrangements to like nicer hotels. It was just we had the you know we had really beautiful weather the first three days, and then we had some weather going up bovine. And uh, finishing in town here and on the last day, we just experienced the entire spectrum. I was going to ask, because yeah. when we arrived, it was crazy hot over yeah. on the Italian side. And the day, that, yeah, the day that we saw you out on the trail, it wasn't quite as hot, but it seemed like you probably got four seasons around the mountain, the hot at the beginning and yeah. maybe... And I told that that's exactly what I told my yeah. group. You guys are experiencing the entire spectrum of what the the mountains here can deliver, and you know, just embrace it. Yeah, you know. And then when we hunkered down at the top of Bovine, when it was windy, it was wet. Um, we like basically kick open the door of the refuge, and we walk in, and there's a woman kneading dough and making dough from scratch. Basically, there's four guys playing cards at a table. It was just like, oh. This is what the culture is all about here. You know, you um, you adventure in the mountains, but people also value just like the the downside of you know, like really taking the time to drink your espresso, have a have a tart, and embrace that side of things yeah. too. So I I absolutely dug it. Life slows down. It certainly yeah. does. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. one of the reasons why it's always so fun to come here. Is yeah, just experiencing uh, coming out of the hustle and bustle of you know L.A., San Francisco, Boulder, yeah. or not Boulder, excuse me. The you're in a much quieter area now up there in Salida. Yeah, but yeah. I lived in Boulder for eight years, so yeah, 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 I know how it is. Can't imagine L.A. or yeah. Bay Area, well, Portland too. And you yeah. live there. Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to experience the mountain in that style one of these days. Just the multi-day hotel refugio cappuccino tour. <laughs> Was this TMB? Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. No. Yeah, yeah. Was this the TMB route or yeah, the? It's a tour the Mont Blanc. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I I will say I did have one episode. I mean, otherwise went fairly seamless. But <laughs> man, uh, because you're just consuming different things, I, I think I'm I have like mildly lactose intolerant. So 
there was a lot of things I probably shouldn't have consumed <laughs> on the roof. Uh, one of which was like three hard boiled eggs at one point. Uh, this beautiful stuff. I think it was either Elisabetta in the, yeah. in the Italy side, three hard boiled eggs. And at the top of this climb, I was just feeling nauseous and like dry heat. At this beautiful side. Yes, I <laughs> saw a video of it. Yeah, what, maybe I'll share that video Billy with you guys. On but. his hands and knees, dry heaving, in the, but in the back, it's the most beautiful <laughs> mountain view. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, I maybe noticed, train your stomach in addition to training your legs before coming here. I noticed you, uh, you like had your GoPro out. Are you going to put together a little film? Yeah, for sure. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll, we'll wait to, to see that. I guess we also have to quickly give us the story about the big surprise that you uh, experienced. Okay. <laughs> so um, I want to shout out my friends, Kevin and Natalie, who were part of the trip. I had no idea this was going on behind the scenes. Um, I, I alluded to Hillary uh, trying to get her green card process through. And we had anticipated at least a year, year and a half before the paperwork would go through with the government. So the notion of her coming to Europe was not even in the conversation at all. And she was, um, you know, rightfully so talking about kind of lamenting having FOMO, but it is what it is, right? So she was going to stay at home with Charlie, but two or three days before I left, I got a package in the mail and it was her green card. Boom. Showed up after four months. Wow. Yeah. In record time. Like this is basically unprecedented. Even the law firm that we use, it's like, holy crap, this is amazing. So the US we, government's like, we got to secure this new recruit here. Yeah. We make sure that uh, we joked, maybe they saw our engagement video and, and, you know, pulled <laughs> up the high strings it. a little bit. Beautiful engagement <laughs> yeah. video. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So we entertained it sort of last minute, but the price of the flight and everything and then dealing with Charlie. Plus we have a lot of travel coming up. Her, she's doing, I am tough going to Mammoth trail fest. We, we have a full, full schedule in yeah. September and October, but the behind the scenes, our friend, Kevin, who travels a ton for work has accumulated like millions and millions of points and miles. And um, so I guess he, saw how much she wanted to be here and how much I missed her and uh, basically paid her plane ticket off. Wow. Shout not out only, to Kevin. Yeah. Not only that, yeah. but she flew here business class too. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so she came here as we were finishing, um, as we were winding down day six, she got into town, hiked up to uh, La Fligere where we were stationed and we were kind of waiting for the rest of our crew to catch back up. And then Kevin, all of a sudden he's like, Hey, come outside. There's something going on. I was like, all right. I thought it might be uh, one of our members in trouble. So I walk outside and there's Hillary holding a GoPro in one hand, phone in the other hand. Surprise. <laughs> and I'm sure maybe if you want to include it in, uh, in this video portion of it, my face was just like, white <laughs> jaw, a jaw on the ground. Like, and the only thing I could think of saying was what the F are you doing? Here? Yeah. <laughs> it's such a great video. Yeah, I was, I was floored. Yeah. I was like, what am I in LA? What, what the yeah. hell is going on? Uh, 
Yeah, so the greatest surprise in the world. I'm so glad she's here for the for the last week. Super, super yeah. fun, man. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. So kind of bringing things back to UTMB. Sally, you've got three finishes in the big race? Yeah, started it five times, finished three times. Wow. Yeah. What do you, uh, any uh, highlight memories from those three finishes? Oh or? my gosh, 2019 was, I feel like... Sorry, my and that was, I feel like that was like a rough year for a lot of the Americans. So there was like a few people like, fr- like in like friends that were over here that had dropped out of the race. And then there was teammates who had done other races. Billy was there at the time. Um, Mario was coaching me yep. and I just remember they, they all came to the last aid station and they came to the finish line. Like there was like a group of like 12 or 15 of them. And I, mm. I was like really overwhelmed with emotion by that. Cause it was like freezing cold middle of the night. Right. And, um, I feel like that will be a memory that always sticks out because it's so signature to our sport. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, um, you work so hard to get around this mountain as fast as you can. And there's a lot of variables that, that make it difficult. Yeah. And, um, I definitely had some ups and downs in that race, but, um, overall had, had a pretty good race. And so to come through the finish line and I remember they made like a tunnel for me too, yeah, human <laughs> like in the last like few hundred like meters. And, um, yeah, that was definitely one of my favorites, but another year, I think it was 2017. It was the year that there was like that. You may have been racing it this year when there's a really bad snowstorm. I mean, it was really bad. I didn't get snowed on. I got super cold at the top of the Grand Col Was okay. that seven? I know there was Maybe. some bad weather. I did 17 too. Yeah. yeah so, and they it, had it was nothing compared to last night. Yeah. I'll tell they you had, that. They but had to it was cold. Yeah. It, it was, uh, we, oh, it was because so of the we water. Snow, like we were in snow. And I remember all the girls. So I was with Magda, Casey, Amanda Basham. Like I think Amanda Basham at one point was like on a rock, like crying. Like everyone was crying. She was talking about it here on the couch <laughs> the other day. Everyone yeah. was crying. <laughs> It's like, I remember going to the aid station. I think Fernanda, her eyes had frozen over. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't 17. Maybe it was a different year. Because it was where we were, all the women, yeah. we were frozen in the snow. And I remember a volunteer coming up to me and saying, do you have any more layers? I'm like, I'm wearing all the required gear. Like every my pack layer, is empty. My, my pack <laughs> is empty. And I still had to climb up this massive climb. And so that was a, yeah, that was a really challenging year. But at the same time, because of that, like a lot of us ran together and shared like these really hard miles and really good stories. Yeah, Amanda and- shared, I'm pulling it up just to, just to see what year <laughs> yeah. it was, but Amanda shared that she was going to drop out. And then Magda <laughs> and Casey caught yep. up to her and they're like, no, you're not dropping yeah, out. They all ended up finishing together. Yep. They finished right ahead of me. And, um, yeah, man, that was, that was a, a pretty good year. And then 18, I didn't finish cause I tried doing it right after bad water and I was. Yeah, it was recovered. 2017. Yeah. So that was the second night, I think 2017. When it got bad. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, do- yeah. It definitely was snowed that year. Day, it definitely yeah. snowed that year. Cause it, there was snow going over in Italy and then there was, there were snowflakes on the Grand Colferet for sure yeah, in yeah. Switzerland. So, so yeah, it was, talk, it was t- cold. Talk okay. about your, cause you, you've got one or two finishes at UTMB. Well, 2017 was the only finish I did yeah. at UTMB. So I started it three times, finished once. Yeah. And, uh, my first one was, was 2015. I was actually bib number one that year. I guess Killian and Francois didn't show up. So yeah. high ITRA score. And I was in the lead pack going over in Italy and I, this is the year I tripped and fell 
and gash my knee open. Right. And it, it was a long, embarrassing story. I basically had to get a helicopter rescue out of. I remember town. you valiantly but, left Cormier. I was going to try to You're finish. Like, go to I was going to try to finish. I got stitches in oh, Cormier yeah. aid station without like painkillers. And I had like four stitches in my knee and they wrapped it up. And the, the problem wasn't the cut. It was more the swelling in the knee. I just, I couldn't go downhill. So I climbed all the way out of Cormier, got to the very top. And I realized I couldn't even walk downhill. Yeah. And it was so bad. I was like, I can't walk back into town. And they're like, the only way out of this aid station is by a helicopter rescue. And I was like, how much is that going to cost? And <laughs> now they make you buy insurance, but it was like 150 euro. It was, right. a, it was a deal for a helicopter ride. Helicopters are like but, Ubers here. I, exactly. yeah, but, I mean, you want to have insurance, but yeah, it's not like the $10,000 bill you might get getting rescued in Colorado or something oh, yeah. in the mountains. So. Oh, it'd be at least that if you had to flight for life off of some <laughs> mountain pass. In yeah, the so we were talking about my rabies situation where I had to get, uh, a cycle of rabies shots and half of them I got in Europe and and the last couple I got in the U S and it cost me thousands in the U S and almost nothing here in Europe, but we don't need to get into that. Funny, funny story. While we're on the subject of bib number one, because I think the audience will enjoy this. Jim Walmsley has been bib number one. I think almost every year he started here and he's the top ranked runner again, based on the UTMB index score. And I can't remember when we were talking about this, but he was lamenting about how he felt like bib number one was a bad omen for him that he always like felt because he, he still hasn't raced to his potential here. He's got a couple solid finishes, fourth and fifth, but hasn't had a Jim Walmsley performance. And he feels like bib number one is a little bit of a curse. And in cycling, there's apparently uh, like a tradition where like you take bib number one and turn it upside down to like, I don't know, somehow reverse the curse or something. Right, yeah. So for our audience, Jim was the one who enlightened me about this. So it'll be interesting to see if if he flips his bib upside down oh, on Friday or something cool. like that, yeah. something like that. Is that your pick? He strikes Have you me revealed as your superstitious. Your prediction? I'm still working on it. I actually have fantasy.freetrail.com up on my computer right now and I'm looking at the fields. I would... Like I said in our opening show, I would riot in the streets if Jim or any American male was able to to win this year because obviously that's been a storyline of the UTMB for its entire existence. And we are due for a victory here. Yes. And uh, and Jim certainly provides a, a great opportunity to do it to do it. But and this may be fun for us to all discuss as a team here. Like Jim obviously pulled out of the world championship because he was dealing with a bit of an ankle injury and has been dark on Strava ever since. And in our circles, I'm sure you guys have all probably heard this too. Like people thinking, ah, he's maybe he's still hurt. Like, is he even going to do UTV and stuff? And then he drops the bomb on Instagram. Like not going to lie. I'm feeling really ready. Can't wait to race. And we, I was just like, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, especially in the absence of the uh, Francois and the Killians, this, feel yeah. like man i don't like nothing will touch 2017 and how competitive that men's field was like it was a venerable who's who from the killian francois xavier diva yeah. uh, tim but um i think i think if there was ever a year for walmsley laney tim zach to do it, it would have to be this year. He's ready. It'll never be easy, but he's it ready. It will never be easy. I mean, yeah. the Europeans, this is their home soil, and rightfully so. It's almost like a, a European taking the top spot at Western States. It's just 
contrasting styles, right? Yeah. But Sage. he's he's basically European now. Yeah. You know, he's been living a few towns away, and yeah. I'd be surprised if he didn't figure it out this year. Sage, what do you think makes this the UTMB course especially so difficult to get right? You know, as somebody who's won a bunch of huge races and who's had maybe a frustrating run here at UTMB one for three and your, your one finish was, wasn't certainly not a Sage candidate trademark race either. Yeah. I was like 50th that year yeah. in 2017, but you know, I, I, well, first of all, you want to be a hundred mile specialist. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, guys like Jim, you know, winning Western States, winning course, rec- having course record there, uh, obviously a totally different course. Uh, that's very runnable. It's net downhill. Um, the steepness of the grade, like being able to run, just bomb downhills, the sheer amount of vertical. Um, but I've, I'm sure you found like doing well at hard rock also kind of bodes well for doing well here. I mean, you were seventh here, um, mm-hmm. second at hard rock. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think Americans men can get it right and, and do better, but the, the cards just haven't fallen in place, but it's a unique challenge with the, the steepness of the trails. Like you go to the U S it's all switchbacks, right? Even Colorado 14ers, you're almost up too high in the Colorado 14ers mm-hmm. and there's too many switchbacks. It's not steep enough here. The trails just go straight up and straight down. Mm-hmm. So I do I think, think that's yeah, part of I it. Do yeah. Think the, um, the, uh, influx of elites embracing the poles and that was something that not too long ago, I mean, Debo and I've been in the sport for a while. Yeah. You guys have too. It's, it was almost laughed at. We would have little names like cheat and cheater sticks, wizard sticks. And it, it really wasn't embraced until I think uh, like maybe a half a dozen years ago when I think they all realized yeah. like poles are, it's not negotiable. It's a necessity. It's so funny how quickly the gear has evolved and advanced. I remember I was thinking the exact same thing because Jamil sort of reposted a video that he had made, I think at the 2014 hard rock when it was like Sebastian Cheng and Joe Grant and Dakota Jones and other, you know, sort of name brand athletes of our generation. And Dakota's like still running with two handheld water bottles on the hard rock course, you know, <laughs> it's like now you'd be wearing this super lightweight, almost piece of apparel as a pack with these carbon poles. And yeah. it makes such a big difference. And you're right. Like now it's ubiquitous across the professional ranks about the men's and women's I also races. Think, I also think we're also embracing the off season and pole use in, you know, as you've adopted recently, uh, backcountry skiing and schemo. Uh, this is something that the Europeans are just a lot more proficient at because they do it year round. And this is something that's still relatively new, I think, to the U.S. top tier athletes. Mm-hmm. I, I think an, another like detail that sometimes goes on overlooked is the 6 p.m. start. And so you have some athletes that maybe if it's their first time, they'll come in on Tuesday and then the jet lag hits and then they're trying to bounce back from that. And then it's like, OK, now we're racing at night. I have listened to so many athletes say, man, I, I was just tired. Yeah. I got so tired halfway into that race. Like I was fit coming in, but I don't know. I was foggy. I couldn't like get that together. And, and it is the, the European racing is very different from the United, from the United States. I think also the, um, the seriousness of it. I mean, I, I, all week I feel like people are 
are, are going on shakeout runs, but it feels like they're racing a 5k. Yeah. Like people are like kitted out. They're wearing their, their outfits and their packs. And it's like, everyone just looks so serious. And then you walk up to the start line and they have this music playing that sounds like you're going to war. And it's just like, you, you have a whole bunch totally. of variables that a lot of athletes have never dealt with. Like they're not used to having thousands of people in the forest at midnight cheering them as they go up a climb or yeah. the way that we start out at the beginning of this race can really stress runners out. Like if you're not getting out of Chamonix out, out of the, out of the city running at like at a six, six minute, minute pace, pace yeah. at a six minute pace for like the first couple of miles, like yeah. it's really stressful. And so I think those things start to compound. If you're not, if you've never raced internationally, if you don't understand kind of how European racing goes, the pressure, the seriousness, the crowds, um, yeah, the climbs are very different, but having like these night starts and it just, it, it can come. It is a, and, it's and a speed trap course too. Yes. So maybe we could talk about this too, just the way the course sets up. And I didn't plan that we would go through all this right here, but it's this fun. is fun. Yeah. So like, you know, that's first five miles out of so Chamonix fast. to Les Uges, super fast. The lead men are going Have you ever sub six. I'll, I could when, pull it up when, probably, but like Pal, Pal like, Capel was here yesterday. He was like, yeah. I know my split to Les Uges, 31 minutes. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's like five fifty pace yes. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, Everyone is running but, so fast. But even so from the start to Les Contamy, which is 30 K about 19 miles, you just have the one big climb, uh, from Les Uges to saint -Germain. Mm -hmm. And, but so those first 20 miles, one big climb. So effectively you got 25, 27,000 feet of climbing packed into the last 80 miles of the course. And especially that last 50 K is especially oh tough. Gosh, yeah. But to your point, everybody here is so fit, so primed, so yes. eager to like arrive on the international trail running map with a solid, satisfying performance here at UTMB. That that's why at Champelac with 50k to go, mile 75 or so, you just see explosion after yeah. explosion after explosion. That's why I dropped out one year. Was yeah. was there? It's like you have 25 miles left, and it's like I can't take another step. I, I was actually thinking <laughs> about this. If there was any data out there, if anybody's listening who can crunch some numbers to see what percentage of the overall drops happen at Champelac, because mm -hmm. I would A guess lot. it's probably the majority. Cormier too. I think you know, like Cormier is like the first big one. Yeah, and you can just get it's back big, through the tunnel. Yeah, it's the big. Yeah, A lot of people walk into Cormier. Like death because that's also like the sun is up. Um, usually that's the start of the second day for for most of the athletes, and and then you leave Cormier to some really big climbing as you're climbing into Switzerland. I mean, yeah. it just doesn't it just doesn't stop. I can't think of a lot of races back in the United States that are similar to this. Yeah. But because it's so fast early, if you miscalculate those first twenty, yeah. and you really the, pay for it, you're right. The first thirty k. People go very fast yeah. that first 30K and you can essentially lose a lot of your race and yeah. stress out your body just in that first I remember day. when I did it in 2017, you know, you hike up the first climb to the Bellevue, I think is what it's called. And then it's such a steep drop down into Saint-Gervais, like on a grassy it's ski, a ski slope. slope. It's yes. like a blue run. It's a yeah. blue run ski oh, slope. It's like I, 80 to 40 degrees. Yeah. I and think then, like and then there's dozen. pavement going into San Gervais too. So you're on these paved yeah. roads but people and people bomb. run people. Yeah. They go sub six. They, yeah. they Some of the lead guys. And I was like feeling my quads already. And like, you shouldn't, yeah. you don't want to feel your quads. There's first downhill. That backwards too. <laughs> right. You see people going down that backwards. No, but I, I just remember having two dozen 
Europeans just absolutely scream past me, like rolling the windows down, <laughs> going five minute pace. And I'm like, oh my then God. Then you passed them back. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about like the increased internationalization of it. Like since we've all been coming here, what was your first time? Uh, that was 2015. 2015. Yeah, like all of us was 2015. I was 2013. Oh, okay. It's funny. I, Broke my ankle at the top of the Bravant that year. Yeah, right. first run arriving, and uh, Wait, on a training run. Uh, yeah, training no run. So way. I ended up not not starting, but I so I got to jump in with Joe Grant and Anna Frost to crew for Anton that year. Yeah, we ended up dropping out at Trient later in the day, but it was so amazing to have a front row seat to that race that day. And it was the year that Rory Bozio broke the course oh, record. My, such an amazing finished seventh overall. Yeah. Obviously, Courtney broke it again two years ago, but. Just like how much it's even changed and grown and evolved since then. Cause that was like really the early days. It was like still mostly French, like a couple Spaniards, like Miguel Haras and Killian and stuff. And then there was like a handful of Americans. Now it's like the best runners from every country, Eastern Europe, Asia, China, South America, everywhere are here now. And it's just like become this, I mean, it's the default world championship. Yeah, and Asia in particular, trail running has exploded mm-hmm. in the past yeah. five, ten years. A lot so of amazing runners yeah. coming out of Asia. I think too, because our sport, you know, we we're, we're not in the Olympics, and I feel like even the the World Championship stuff isn't like the hundred k like flat. Aren't a lot of the World Championship ultra distances? They're, they're yeah, they only flat, have the IAU Worlds, which yeah. is a road race. You've been on that team. Yeah, I've never, you? no, I've never oh. been on that oh, team. But yeah, they have the road 100K. And then this year, I guess they had the, they did have the trail. But uh, it's short. It, it wasn't 100K. It was, it like was 80K. 80K. It was 80K. Yeah, the world champs. There, there, but there it's isn't like been, a big 100. Yeah, they've kind of been, it's, it's yeah. hard who's on or the team. Or competition. Okay, that's what it's too. It's like, you don't always get like the best in the country mm-hmm. to go like everyone gather for that race. But I feel like here, here, it, I don't even know how, what is it? Like a hundred countries are, are represented. I think it's a 120. 120? Somebody, Keith told us the other day, let's it's see if incredible. we can pull it up. I have the program on my computer. I'll see if I can get and, it. But I think it's like 118 countries. 100, okay. So we're yeah. looking at 118 countries and, and then now you're looking at um, multiple distances, which for a while it was only UTMB that was the most competitive race. I mean, that was always like all eyes on UNTB, but now I feel like all of the distances are very deep. They have more respect, which I think is so important for our sport is like, you do not have to be a respected athlete and do a hundred miles. Totally. I mean, you don't have to do a hundred miles to be a respected athlete. Like if you're a short distance specialist, you're on these trails, running 50 K hard is, is very challenging, which is happening tomorrow. We'll get around to talking about OCC. Yeah. Yeah. But I love now that, that all the distances are more respected. It's not just all eyes on UTMB and it, and, and now all of the distances are very deep with competition. You know, that's really good. That reminds me of something that came into my head as you're talking earlier about how people used to arrive like on Tuesday of race week and have a hard time figuring out the sleep. Now it seems like a lot of the pros are here for a month. month. You have to at least. Yeah. If not the whole summer, which makes me think, and maybe Billy, you want to comment on this, the brands must be freaking spending tons of money yeah. just for accommodations to get their athletes out here because everybody is invested in performing well on this stage, whether it's the big race, UTMB, OCC, which happens tomorrow, CCC, one of the most competitive races in the yes. world also. Yes. It's just so fun. 
That's it, what it makes really this, this race so cool. Billy, anything you want to add, especially on the, the brand front? I know that's something you pay attention to. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I just think that, uh, to your point, it is, I think some of the past dealings and, and lessons some of these athletes have learned is coming here, thinking two weeks is plenty of time, and then burning the candle out because you're, the stoke is super high. You arrive in Chamonix Valley, and you're like, well, I, have, I still have time to explore this area and that area, and I think um, they come into the race just burnt you know, burnt in, um, in just being so stoked about arriving here. So I, I do think that it is unquestionably, like I saw Tim Tollefson, David Laney training together, putting in big mileage. Amanda Basham has been out here for a while. Like you have to become reacquainted with the steepness, the European culture, the lifestyle, the weather conditions, and just, you know, busting out the poles and, yeah, it's it's unquestionably a necessity to get out here at least a month out if you yeah. want to have success out here. I, I think on on the brand side of things, what I always appreciated, because I started coming out here in 2015, it's one of the few races um, during the year, I think worldwide, where brands really do bring their team out. Mm-hmm. And, and brands don't, it isn't just the team, like they're bringing their staff out to support the team. So they're, you know, they're trying to discover how can we serve our athletes better? Like, what is the gear that you need? And, um, in some ways they're kind of like athletes are, are able to spend more time with their teammates because, you know, in trail running athletes live kind of all over the place. Whereas you look at more road running where athletes will all train in the same spot. They'll have like one coach, but it isn't like that in trail running. So, UTMB is really like a coming together. So teams are coming together. Teammates are getting to know each other. They're really making these memories. And I feel like when brands come and they invest and they see what this sport is all about, because, you know, some, not everyone on a team and a brand is a trail runner or even really understand the sport, but they come in to Chamonix Valley and they're like, oh my gosh. And they're then all convinced and they're excited. And I feel like what I've seen over the years is that brands are more invested. They have more belief in the sport. They have more belief in the athletes and they are giving them uh, their athletes more support. So it is exciting, I think, on both sides, both for the brand and the athletes, that when you have the opportunity to race at UTMB, you kind of feel like this is a highlight of my entire career. Yeah. Do you know Andrew Bumbleau from Nike? Um, the name sounds familiar. I used to race against him. Okay. Well, behind him. Yeah. So this is this is a good story on your point. He's not here this mm-hmm. this year, but he was at Canyons in April. Okay. And one of the his colleagues at Nike. So Andrew Bumbleau raced for the Bowerman Track Club for several years, 210 marathoner, retired a couple of years ago, now works in innovation for Nike in footwear. So eventually you'll meet him if you haven't already. Anyway, at Canyons, one of his colleagues was doing the 100 miler and he paced him the last 30 miles through the night. And we saw him at the finish line and Bumby, as we call him, just has this twinkle in his eye of like, I finally get it. Trail running will save the world. <laughs> and now he signed up for our brand new race, the big all time February. Serious? Yeah. Dude, so he's so going to, he's going to run a 50 K. It's cool yeah. seeing Molly Seidel out here too. I know yeah. she's um, dating a ultra runner now and Des Linden last year. And, and, and it's just like opening up this entire new world to them yeah. too. Like I, oh. I had one other thing I wanted to say on like, 
American runners coming out here and going big. Topher Gaylor was here yesterday, who's of course been here for the, all 20 years of the UTMB. The and he, ca- he called it ODing. Like people come out here and overdose basically. So true. And it reminds me, and you guys may have good insight on this too. A couple of years ago, it must've been four or five years ago at this point when Zach Miller was here and he did four laps <laughs> around the mountain in training it. in like a couple like a weeks. Month? Yeah. 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 And I've heard, I, I don't know this for sure, but that he intentionally is arriving late this year because he feels like he can't, he can't necessarily contain himself when he's in Chamonix. Yeah. So he had, he's done the mistake of going way too overboard, doing four laps, like sleeping out on the passes and now sort of arriving later. And let's see if Zach Miller can thread the needle here. He arrived on Friday. I was at the airport with him. Okay, good. Awesome. So yeah, he came in a week before only. Yeah. So no, no lap this time before yeah. the race. Say, so anything you want to add on that of just like, you know, the, the mix of travel and containing ourselves and managing all the sponsor uh, oh events and things like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's really cool. It brings the community together. And like you said, the sponsors bring in their employees. And so you get this meeting of like seeing all your teammates on, if it's Camelback or Hoka um, and you know, people, the international team, you get to see the European yeah. side, right? So you're meeting all these cool people and people that have helped support you. And then you could talk product, showcase product. And then, yeah, just the global scene. It's just, um, I think the scale of these races, because they're so big, like people forget, you know, you go to Western States or Hard Rock and you have a couple hundred people or, uh, you know, your 200s. I'm sure it's not a huge crowd of people wanting to do 200 miles, but you come here and it's, what is it? Almost 3000 people. It's just it's for the one race. Doing it's, UTMB. It's 11,000 total runners. Yeah, 11,000 11, total, total runners between all the races. Yeah. But even like TDS, like there's 1500 people starting all at mm-hmm. once. Like yeah. it's a mad rush mad scene and you know there's there's so many people there's so I much think depth is the only i think Leadville's the biggest 100 mile in the united states is there any other race that has a thousand 100 it's like 800 yeah out? 800 athletes i've got tds up right now and it shows 266 finishers of 649 starters so there's still and uh 1600 I guess six, 600 I think there's 600 600 plus drops. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know if I, I must've misspoken 1650 starters, 620 DNFs, only 266 finishers. Sage, Sage, you should be so proud of yourself. We'll see what the ending, ending percentage is. Cause it's a 48 hour cutoff for this race. So we'll see. I had a feeling with the weather and just the difficulty of that course. How that compares to your years past. Yeah. Got to be around fifty yeah. percent at least. Yeah. But what you did out there, Sage, I, I wanted to comment earlier when you were talking about how you have pain breathing, pain in your chest. Um, the, these climbs get your heart rate going like immediately. Oh yeah, especially I mean, with poles. Yeah. With, with poles, with everything, and I think that for people listening, um, you know, as athletes, we we really fear that type of discomfort. And for many of us, we'd be so alarmed that we're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to keep moving forward. But you, you're kind of embracing that as like, this is how it's going to be if I still want to compete. Like, I'm always going to have to deal with this. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, everyone's always dealing with something. But uh, yeah. yeah, you have the typical leg pain too. Like your calves are burning in the first right. 10 miles. And uh, whether it's that or dealing with nutrition issues, yeah. it's, but it's I feel a like struggle. Breathing, breathing is kind of next that's like next level. Yeah. Do you, do you get, are you afraid when you're out there? Is that like a, is there like a tipping point for you? Cause for I, the course that you just did and you finish 12, it's 
phenomenal. I don't think, unless you have, for those of you listening, if you've been over here um, and been on the course and you understand what Sage did, but I just, I think everything you were dealing with in the race you put together, I just, I applaud you for that. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. No, like six or seven hours is always a tipping point. I don't know if it's like inflammation or and how many hours something. Did you uh, it's just over twenty-two yeah. for the finishing. It's a solid time. Only two guys. Yeah. Only two guys cracked twenty hours. Yeah, That's yeah, amazing. yeah. I wanted to go through the results here just for our our viewers here, and I, we're already going over an hour here, so we can we can start talking about. We, I want to wrap up TDS. Did you think we were going to go under. No, hour? no, I know. I just want to be. I want to be. Uh, I want to be cognizant of all you guys' time. I'm sure we've all got things to do today. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, just to, to wrap things up, Christian Meyer won the men's race. And for those who don't know Christian, we met him last October. He's a Canadian guy, lives in Girona, Spain, former pro cyclist, really interesting dude. He uh, owns a couple cafes in Girona that are sort of like sporting oriented. They're cult favorite sort of coffee stops for the cycling and running communities there. He also just opened a really cool specialty run store in downtown Girona. And if you've never been there, it's like the coolest city in Europe, I feel like. Just sporting culture deep to the roots. It's where um, Americans, like, you know, some of the former U.S. postal team, you know, obviously we don't need to go into that, but started training there as cyclists. And now it's just like created this amazing cycling and running culture. Anyway, Christian is really one of the leaders of that sporting community. So I just wanted to give him a big shout out here on the show for winning TDS because he sort of flies under the radar. Again, a Canadian guy living in Europe, evidently the first Canadian ever to win a race here as part of UTMB. Going through just maybe the top five in both the men's and women's races, feel free to stop me if you guys um, have uh, any sort of intel on some of these guys because a lot of them are newer to me. Second place in the men's race was Simon Waslund from Sweden. Third was Yannick Noel from France. Fourth was Jean-Marie Thevenard. Little known fact, younger brother of Xavier Thevenard. I was Thevenard. just going to ask. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. So fourth place for him. And then fifth place was Christopher Clemente from Spain. So well, What was the first also place? Also a Hoke athlete. 19 hours, 36 minutes. Solid, solid run. I actually got to see him. I got to see him coming into town last night too. It was was awesome. And we're going to see if we can get Christian to come in here for a little post-race interview too. That's great. So just doing the the women top five, uh, female top five here too. Marilyn Dakash won 23 hours, 37 minutes. Really solid time from her. She's a very solid French runner, sort of always top three, top five at a lot of these big races like UTMB, CCC, Trans-Grand Canaria, et cetera. Second place was Fiona Port, also from France. Third place, Flavie Bernil from France. So top three, all French women. Fourth place, Polina Krauzak from Poland. And fifth place, Magali Mellon, also from France for the top five women from They're France. All, they all finished pretty close to, to Oh yeah, other. good point. So... Marilyn looks like she won by 30 minutes, 31 minutes. Oh, solid. Yeah. So the top wow. five women were separated by an hour and 40. Okay. Yeah. Pretty solid. Yeah. It's a solid one. Let's look ahead towards OCC before we start winding down here. Has anybody run OCC? You did last year? Uh, last year. Yeah. And in 2016. 
12,000 feet of climbing? Yeah, big. Yeah, I've actually got solid. the I've got the course profile Do up we here. have a 50k in the United States stage that you know of that has that much? I mean, speed go to Carlos, the rut, and maybe 11 only, I guess on those, but uh, totally different. Yeah. <laughs> Which one is 11? Uh, both the speed goat and the rudder are somewhere around that. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought yeah. speed goat was eight. At altitude okay. too. But yeah. But I it's think OCC different. might run a little bit longer. I think it's closer to Oh, it's 55K. Like, yeah, it's yeah, like 55K. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That so does make a difference. Here's an important piece of information. So Billy, you ran last year? Yes. Yeah. So the course is actually two and a half miles shorter. I'm sharing my screen here just so mm. we can plug this into the video um, after... We're done here. So this is the GPX file for the 2023 route. Comes to 32 miles almost on the dot, 10,800 feet of climbing. Oh. And then I've also got Danny Moreno's Strava file up here too from last year. And the course measured 35 miles, just under 35 miles, also with 10,800. She did that in six hours? 6.17 total time for Danny for third place last year. Yeah, fast. Crusher. So same amount of vertical, three miles shorter. I'm I'm speculating that means 30 minutes faster for the women this year. It was actually MK Sullivan who alerted me to the fact that the course had been changed a little bit. So I just want to flag that for our viewers. What but section did they eliminate? I think it's up at Cold de Bomb, but I haven't looked closely enough to know for sure. Okay. I would have appreciated that last year. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty that hot last year too, true right? To a 50K yeah. though. Yeah, so it's it's almost a true 50K. Yeah, yeah a little bit longer. That, that is nice, but solid. I mean, if you uh, doing UTMB, when you get to those last three climbs, they are soul crushing. You're just like, you feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> yeah, those are yeah. big climbs. Yeah, they're, and it gets they're, hot, and it gets hot too, because yeah. usually you're going into that second day, or a lot of people mm -hmm. are, and the sun's beating down on you there. Yeah. It could be really hot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did OCC in 2015 that year, I think, that uh, we were just talking about with the Nike Trail Boys and girls, I should say. Um, and yeah, tough 50K. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> butt kicker, yeah. butt kicker. And especially the level has really gone up yes. this year. Yeah. Actually, this may be a good thing for you to comment on, Sally, because uh, Amanda Basham was here the other day with Justin and we were talking about parenthood and stuff. And Amanda was saying like, you know, when I was having my kids, the level of the sport went up. And so coming back postpartum, trying to return to the top level, it's like, I don't need to get back to where I was, but I need to get even better to, yeah. to compete. And, you know, I was bringing that up because OCC now, like we've talked about with UTMB, CCC, I mean, world championship level 50 K race. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what we're just seeing in, in the sport across the board is we are seeing a, a wider range of age group uh, that are being interested in the sport. So I know I personally get contacted by college kids that reach out and say, how can I do this professionally? How do I get started and like actually make a career out of this, which really excites me. Because when I started the sport back in 2009, 2010, you know, it was rare that you, um, you met young 20-somethings in, in a race. And so if we're getting kids that were running in college or they're running at the elite level on the road, 
And now they're starting to funnel into the sport and they're starting at those shorter distance, typically trying to keep that top speed and then kind of working toward the longer distances. It really is changing the face of the sport. It's no surprise that every year course records are dropping and we're seeing records breaking. And I think it helps the sport. It, it helps people understand. Um, and I, I've, I've talked about this in the past, even in posts on my social media, but I really think the athletes need to understand that you do not need to have a road or track background to be a good trail runner. It is a sport in itself that needs to be respected. So it isn't that if you're a hundred mile specialist and someone asks you, well, what's your road marathon time? That, that, that's like asking Usain Bolt what his 5K time is. Yeah. Like he's a sprinter. Like that's his distance. Respect it. It's and like it's, asking what his jump shots like it, even. Yeah. Thank you. And I think <laughs> that trail deserves that. I think that, that it shouldn't be, oh, when I'm older, I'm going to go and trail run. Or when my career is over on the road, I'm going to go and trail run. No, there are so many different variables that you need to work through in order to be great at trail running. It isn't just about running fast. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's so many things that you need to do well. And so I love seeing the, the youth come into this sport and nail it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's only going to help the sport grow. It's going to help our, um, elite and, and pro level athletes that really want to make a career out of it. You know, we're seeing more brands taking that seriously and signing younger athletes. And so, yeah, the, the level of competition, it's risen quite a bit. Times are faster. Um, the, the fields are deeper and, really this, this, it's really just legitimizing. We're seeing some East Africans in the sport too, like coming in and Sierra's and all. Yeah. Sierra's and all. It's like five out of the top or five out of the six podium positions. Mm -hmm. The only non African at Sierra's and all on the podium was Sophia Lockley who won, Mm -hmm. who's, I mean, going to be world (laughs) dominator for years and years. Um, so OCC's tomorrow. It's going to be freaking shred fest. I mean, it's, Good running weather. I've got oh, the weather beautiful. up here. I think they're expecting a high of like 62 in the valley tomorrow. <laughs> so bad for Sage. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer hot and dry. I prefer hot and dry. It's like, <laughs> I wasn't ready for snow yet. I mean, I come from Colorado. It felt like ski season already. I was just like skiing down the mountain. 29 and snowing at the top <laughs> it, of the it's been, it's been a hot summer in Colorado. Right. Like we were doing yeah. soft rock a couple weeks ago. Well, it was Dude, it's been a 50 degree yeah, switch yeah, in yeah. temperature just here. Just a few days ago. Just, yeah. just the difference of a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> so that's mountains for you. I just want to... I've got the sort of uh, race preview up on my computer. So I'm going to just take through a few names and you guys can pause me if you're, there's any color you want to add on some of these athletes. Cause I'm, I'm sure you guys follow it just as closely, but you know, on the subject of it being a shred fest, I think throughout the course of the entire week, one of the things our listeners should probably keep their eye out for, we've been talking about how, you know, it can be a speed trap. People go out hard, you know, attrition happens, especially in the longer distance events, but you also need to go out hard if you're going to win the race here. Now it's evolved to that point where if you don't go out with the lead pack, you're almost certainly not going to win. And so it's, if you want to win, you got to take a big risk. And, uh, on the other hand, you'll see a lot of people who execute really smart, savvy, conservative, early strategies and, uh, are able to pull through for sweet podium positions, but likely not win. Anyway, OCC tomorrow, let's go through a few of the names here. Stian Angermund is who I'm looking at for the men's race. Two-time world champion, Norwegian guy. Do you know Stian? Oh, yeah, we've gone a couple Golden Trail series. He comes from that side, so he's used to the 50K distance. Uh, He doesn't, I don't think he's, he's not a schemo guy, but yeah, Norway. 
uh, amazing climber. He's one of the best climbers in the world. Yeah. Came from like vertical K background even. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's one of those guys that is one to watch. Yeah, he he won uh, two years ago here. Uh, I think he did have the course record and it was subsequently broken by Jonathan Albin in that super fast battle that he had with Robbie Simpson. Robbie Simpson's back. Do you know him? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, 215 marathoner, Sierra's and all type of guy. Yeah. Young Frau Marathon. He's done well there. Ten years in a row, he was a top ten guy at Sears and All. So. Yes. Wow. And if people don't know Sears and All, it's yeah. probably the most one of the most iconic sub ultra distance mountain running yeah. races in the world. Very was there sixtieth anniversary this year? Uh, fiftieth. Fiftieth. Because it was the same as Western. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like that's. Do you know the stats on that? Uh, seven thousand feet of climbing in about twenty miles. Yeah. And the fr- starts the 7, out starts comes- out with a double VK basically. <laughs> and it's brutal. Fast. <laughs> it's fast. Yeah. Yeah. You go out. You, you, well, yeah. You'll you'll be splitting. I think the f- right after it levels out, you got to be able to run five minute mile. Like I run like a five twenty. Killian's going like five yeah. flat on that mile. That's why they say it's, it's, it's crazy. Like a really difficult course to get right because it doesn't suit anybody. You know, the road marathoners mm-hmm. have the advantage on the flatter stretch, but then you got to be a great climber to survive that double VK. Anyway, a few more of the names here. Bart from Poland, whose last name I won't even attempt to pronounce, but he won the Golden Trail World Series in 2022. I'm sorry, excuse me, 2020 in the heart of the pandemic, but beat Jim Walmsley. It was when they did the five-day stage race on the uh, Azores out in the Atlantic Ocean. He's one of the favorites. Francesco Pupi from Italy. Uh, Loic Robert from France. Martin Anthemanton from Switzerland. Daniel Ozon's a great BK type uh, style guy from Spain. So a lot of crazy international depth on the men's side for the Americans. We got our boy Cole Watson in the mix there. Jeshrin small too. He had a great 50 K run against Hayden Hawks at canyons in April, where I think pushed him to the final climb was only a couple minutes behind Hayden in a 50 K. So young kid from like, Gunnison, Colorado, or something. So he'll be yeah, he runs uh, the Western State, Colorado, and Gunnison has a trail running program mm-hmm. at the college. Really? Because uh, my former Brooks teammate uh, Josh it. Eberly runs it, and he gets the kids involved in this club. I love it. Uh, so they're already doing trail races, fifty k's usually or shorter, in college as undergrads. So I that's where that. where he came from. Yeah. So cool. Sweet. So just moving over to the women here, I think the main takeaway for me is just like the American depth. The American women are really showing up Mm -hmm. at OCC here. So I'm just going to list some names and then have you guys comment on it. So just on the American side first, Katie Scheid needs no introduction. UTMB champ, second place at Western States. Allie Mack, Jen Lichter, Danny Moreno, Rachel Drake. Rachel's my teammate. I have to give a big shout out to her. She is gritty. Yep. Incredible climber. Then we've got MK Sullivan, Heather Jackson, Yes, Heather. Uh, and then a little further down, Natalie Sandoval, Peyton Thomas, Gosh, Tessa so Chesser. <laughs> any, uh, any, you know, any comments on the American women? Uh, I mean, Allie Mack's a, a character. So yeah. Hoka teammate, yeah. amazing climber. I mean, she came from, you know, doing shorter climbs like the Pikes Peak Ascent, uh, obviously one there, but then moving up to like Pikes Peak Marathon and world champs uh, team, isn't she? Been world, a part tons of, of world, uh, world. Champion. Yeah, she she won like, like several short and like medium distance. Yeah. And she she's, was gold medal in the she, vertical and yeah. uh, bronze medal in the up down. Yeah, in Ph- last phenomenal year. athlete. And yeah. she, I mean, she does. She's been like 
base jumping or para- I don't even know that she does like skydiving in the U S but then she has this parachute, like a Hoka parachute. If you check out her, <laughs> her social, she got crazy videos, uh, really great character, but she's definitely one to watch because she's not only a great climber, but she's an amazing technical downhill runner too. So she could just fly. Like you think about this last descent down into Chamonix and the tree roots and you're just like dancing and she's amazingly fast up and down. She was disappointed about her world's performance this year in June, but then she showed up a week later at Broken Arrow and absolutely dominated the 23K. So I hope Allie Mack is fit. Billy, any comments on the American side? No, I'm, I'm... Uh, I'm my head spinning at all the names that you threw out yeah, there. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we're representing, but yeah, um, to Sage's point, Ali Mack, when she's on her game, as we saw at Broken Arrow, she's just she can dominate and um, a lot of power to weight ratio in yeah. that in that in that small package. But man, she is she's going to be my pick on that on that start line. Yeah. For, I, I think that I would love to see an American sweep. That'd be so incredible. Be I yeah. think that those women, and a lot of them, they know each other. It would be really cool to see. And I've always felt this about UTMB. Like we all, we, we come into race, we all run for different brands. We all live in different areas, but I always felt like at UTMB, like the Americans are like, we're here representing America and, and would work together. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, with a race like this, with three big climbs, you don't necessarily need to be pushing hard as first place right from the start, but stay with that front pack. Yeah. And if these girls could work together and then see what they got at that last climb, sweet. I mean, that's where it comes. It's the last climb in that descent. S- stuff starts changing. Yep. You know, who's holding on and who saved a little bit, who's running it smart. Cause you're right. You need to go out in the front pack, but you don't need to stress yourself and be first place. Yeah. Be so stressed about being, first or second place, just stay with that front pack and be smart. But I think working together, because it's, I mean, you're, yeah. how long are you in that lactic? <laughs> yeah, we went to, I remember a couple of years ago, we went up to Cafe La Floria, which is the little uh, cafe, mm-hmm. sort of a third of the way up the final descent into town. And this was the year that Ruth Croft won on the women's side, I remember, and Steon won on the men's side. And it was just crazy to see just the level of freaking output they're putting down 30 yeah. miles into the OCC. Ruth is so fun yeah. to watch. She's in UTMB race. this year. She's won OCC and CCC. Yeah. She'll be she Courtney's biggest competition, I think. Absolutely. Um, I'm just going to list a couple more names. Our cameras are going to die here soon, so I want to bring Tim up for a quick conversation too. <laughs> so Tim, start making your way over here. I'm going to list a couple more names uh, on the women's side here at OCC tomorrow, Mao Yao, who's the former course record holder at CCC oh, from China, Nuria Jill from Spain, Caitlin Fielder from New Zealand. She lives in Girona. Great athlete. Also great character. Tony McCann from South Africa, Mathilde Sanz from France, who was I think second here a year or two ago. So again, just crazy depth, crazy depth, but it looks like, like according to the UTMB index score, Five of the top six ranked athletes in OCC on the women's side are Americans tomorrow. So five of the top six. I love it. Tim, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for making it possible. (laughs) Introduce yourself quickly. Uh, Tim Perry. I work for Camelback. Been there for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm super stoked to be here in Chamonix. First time here. Still trying to recover from MCC a couple days ago in the rain. (laughs) So limping around Chamonix over the last like 48 hours, but, um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell yeah. us a little bit about the race and what, what else you have going on. Cause I understand you're <laughs> over on the Italian side for ETC last night. Too. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, MCC was great. Um, I've never done a UTMB event outside of Canyons earlier this year. So I was out there with the wizard sticks, as as I learned earlier today. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I did my best. Um, a lot of aggressive hiking and trying to slide down hills in the mud. And um, yeah, it was just great. A lot of like fantastic energy out there. And um, and then, yeah, I was at ETC yesterday, shadowing a bunch of runners, kind of bushwhacking through the trees to kind of find some different spots for, for coverage. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been great. And obviously the weather is opening up. So excited for the rest of the week. Yeah. So yeah. maybe brag about the athletes on either side of you real quick and tell us about, uh, some of the stuff Camelback's doing this. Oh this my week. God. I don't even know where to start with the two. I don't even think I'm. <laughs> Like I should be sitting between these two here. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously they're just incredible athletes that have accomplished so much and, um, yeah, trying to compare like my Stravas to their Stravas <laughs> is like a zero sum game, but, um, you know, Sage obviously last night, just coming through in 12th was absolutely incredible. We came back from Italy last night with about 10 minutes to spare and caught him coming through and. It's just, it's incredible when you have these different kind of races kind of overlapping one another, you can kind of go from one to the next, at least from yeah. a spectator standpoint. So, um, and then everything Sally's been doing this past year has just been super inspiring. I'm not going to talk about her crazy feet or anything like that. I think you guys talked about that, yeah. but, but, um, yeah, and we're just super excited to be here. I think what Sally was saying earlier about brands, just being committed, coming here with their full squad, um, is, is definitely something we've embraced from a Camelback standpoint. We have so many different people here from our president to product, to marketing, to awesome. others. And, yeah. um, you know, we just want to build year after year and kind of, um, you know, steadily help, you know, do our part to help grow the sport. And, um, and yeah, just, I don't know, excited for the rest of the week. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I mean, I recall when Camelback started making trail running, running specific product, it had always been, sort of the leader on yeah. this and sort of invented the hydration pack category. It was always very popular in mountain biking and hiking, even in like military application and stuff. Yeah. But like talk about like the commitment to our sport specifically mm -hmm. and this, this uh, partnership with UTMB to help bring that to life. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a crazy story just quick. I mean, it started as the first product was a tube sock with an IV bag and an IV drip. Right. It was this guy that was a paramedic in Texas that wanted to do this 200 mile bike race across the state yeah. in the middle of the summer. And he just figured out kind of a, a solution to a core need. And um, so we've we've really kind of built upon that for run and trail run specifically, obviously bike and hike as well. But um, yeah, we feel like we we have a place in the space. We've been in trail run for a while. This year has been a very important year for us. And re-emerging in some different ways and um excited to help you know take on this week with the event that we're doing tomorrow night um supporting our athletes and that growing roster we have harry jones and scotty hawker running later this week in two yep. different events so super excited about them we're working with ultra block trail runners out of london they did etc yesterday mm. so um yeah we're like i said we're just slowly steadily kind of helping to kind of grow the sport and do our part and um, excited to kind of just see where, where the sport continues to grow. Sweet. Yeah. Maybe wrapping up, tell us about the event. Cause it's open to the public, right? Open to the public six o'clock. We're planning to be there. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, open to the public. Um, it is right around the corner at uh, Hotel. I'm trying to it's pronounce. It's called like Fully Deuce. Yeah, you, you. I served that up for you to spike that down. You, you, you pronounced it. I have no um, problem sounding like an idiot. Yeah, yeah no, that appreciate that. Um, yeah, it starts at six o'clock. It'll run for a couple hours. We're going to do panel discussions with our team Camelback athletes. We're also going to have Dora and um, Ultra Block Trail Runners there for discussions as well. She's um, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. She's, uh, she's all about the vibes. Yeah. yeah she's great. Um, and, and yeah, we're going to have open bar, some light bites, show off some future products that a lot of the crew has been testing that's coming out next year. Um, and, uh, yeah, just kind of fun, kind of low key vibes cool. just to, you know, help ease us into the rest of the week. So Sweet. Well, yeah. we'll make sure to put some information about that in the show notes and on our Instagram accounts yeah. and stuff. So those who are listening, who are here in Chamonix Valley can swing by tomorrow yeah. night, six to 8 PM guys. This has been so freaking fun. So Super fun. appreciate it. Especially you Sage. Thanks yes. for coming out, Tim. Thanks for the support. I think, you know, the brand is awesome. Like especially identifying people like Sally, Sage, Harry, Scotty, great people, great athletes. And we certainly appreciate you helping us to bring the show to life yeah, thank this week you. too. Billy, thanks for coming out. Thanks brother. Sally, you're the best. Always fun. In closing, just want to give a quick heads up to our listeners about what we have coming up later. So our, our interviews that we're going to be doing later today, we're going to have David and Megan Roche in studio here. We're going to talk about like training for the race and coaching for the race, et cetera. Talk about some of their athletes. Probably David Laney is going to come in this afternoon. Petter Engdahl, who's, one of the favorites in the UTMB race. I'm really excited to talk to him. He's, a, of course, the CCC course record holder. Tomorrow's show, we're going to be joined by Katie Asmith and Mile Backhausen. Maybe we'll add somebody else too. We'll talk about OCC as it's evolving throughout race day, and we'll preview CCC, which of course happens starting Friday morning. Before we go, also make sure you are playing fantasy all week, fantasy.freetrail.com. Pick 10 deep in OCC, CCC, UTMB. We've got Great prize packages that includes a head-to-toe kit from Hoka, hat, tee, shorts, Stinson 7 trail shoes. We also have the uh, the great Zephyr packs that are going to be provided by Camelback also. So big thanks to those brands for helping us make fantasy super fun. Again, pick 10 deep, fantasy.freetrail.com. And yeah, finally, big thanks to Hoka too for helping bring this to life, supporting our good friend Sage who rocked the speed goats out there yesterday. Stinson 7, also a great road to trail shoe as well. And of course, Hoka does a lot to bring UTMB to life too. So big thanks to all the partners. Big thank you to our panelists here today. Thank you all for watching. See you again, back here again tomorrow morning. Peace out. Peace out.